Loving Father in heaven, glory be unto your name. We thank you for your love, mercy, goodness, and kindness which you bestow upon us in various ways. We thank you, Father, for the goodness you've shown to us and given us life. We thank you for the food we eat, the water we drink, the air we breathe. We thank you, Lord, for protection and guidance. None of these things we take for granted, but we believe that it is your love which you have shown towards us, not because of our goodness, not because of our kindness, not because of our righteousness. We say, may all glory be unto your name, O Lord. In gratitude to you, Lord, we want to live a life that is consecrated to your service. Please, Lord, consecrate us to your service. As we go through our devotion, please speak to us words that will lift us up, that will direct us, that will shield us, that will protect us from evil. Lord, please put your words in my mouth and give me grace to speak words that will be a blessing to all who would listen. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, January 30 Marrying and Giving in Marriage In the days that were before the flood, they were marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark. Matthew chapter 24 verse 38 In Noah's day, brute force was the prevailing influence in the world. By threatened punishment, men intimidated other men. Instead of doing justice to their neighbors, they carried out their own unlawful wishes. They had a plurality of wives, which was contrary to God's wise arrangement. In the beginning, God gave to Adam one wife, showing to all who should live upon the earth his order and law in that respect. The transgression and fall of Adam and Eve brought sin and wretchedness upon the human race, and man followed his own carnal desires and changed God's order. The more men multiplied wives to themselves, the more they increased in wickedness and unhappiness. If one chose to take the wives or cattle or anything belonging to his neighbor, he did not regard justice or right, but if he could prevail over his neighbor by reason of strength or by putting him to death, he did so, and exalted in his deeds of violence. They loved to destroy the lives of animals. They used them for food, and this increased their ferocity and violence, and caused them to look upon the blood of human beings with astonishing indifference. The descendants of Seth were called the sons of God, the descendants of Cain, the sons of men. As the sons of God mingled with the sons of men, they became corrupt, and by intermarriage with them, lost through the influence of their wives, their peculiar holy character, and united with the sons of Cain in their idolatry. Many cast aside the fear of God and trampled upon his commandments. But there were a few that did righteousness, 
who feared and honored their creator. Noah and his family were among the righteous few. Polygamy was practiced at an early date. It was one of the sins that brought the wrath of God upon the antediluvian world. It was Satan's studied effort to pervert the marriage institution, to weaken its obligations and lessen its sacredness, for in no surer way could he deface the image of God in man and open the door to misery and vice. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Marrying and Giving in Marriage. Our key text is taken from the book Matthew chapter 24 verse 38 where our Lord Jesus said this very important uh, information. Jesus said, In the days that were before the flood, they were marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. What does Jesus mean when he says in the days before the flood they were marrying and giving in marriage? Where is it in the word? And by the way, when Jesus said this, he was saying that it was going to be the same thing in the last days just before the coming of Jesus the second time. That the way it was before the flood is the way it is going to be in our day. So what was it that they were doing? What was this marrying and giving in marriage? Jesus instituted marriage. The first marriage between Adam and Eve, he was the one that instituted it. Is he condemning marriage? Is it wrong to marry and to give in marriage? Certainly not. But in the days before the flood, there was a kind of marrying and giving in marriage that Jesus is referring to. And we are going to look into it. And as we look into what was going on before the flood, we will see that the same thing is happening today. And while we go through this devotion, it is good for us to examine ourselves, married couples, those who are single, and those who are courting. There is a lot that is going on today that is the same thing that was happening before the flood that Jesus was saying that is going to be happening in our day. And as a child of God, this is not a prophecy we should be fulfilling. There are many prophecies that are negative that Jesus said. It is not for the children of God to fulfill those prophecies. We are supposed to be away from it. When Jesus says there will be false prophets, I shouldn't be a false prophet, neither should you. But then there will be those who will be false prophets. And when he says that people will be marrying and giving in marriage, it will happen. But I shouldn't be a part of those who he is referring to. That is repeating the things that happened before the flood. And as we go through the things we'll be looking at, I just pray that the Lord will talk to our hearts and help us to make changes because this topic can be quite sensitive and the things we'll be looking at will affect many practices that goes on in our daily lives. And it's my prayer that we all will make the changes in our lives when necessary. So in the book of Genesis 6 verse 1 and 2, it is the place that talks about what Jesus was referring to. It says, And it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all they chose. There was something about this 
incident like we've talked about before these sons of god referred to here are the holy line of men the children from seth down to enos cain and mahalel methuselah and enoch his father lamech and jared and noah these people were the ones called the sons of god the daughters of men are their daughters from cain and his lineage Enoch and Lamech and the rest of them, they were the people called the daughters of men. The first son of Cain was actually called Enoch also. And he also had a child, Lamech, one of his lineage. So these people had daughters. And the Lord is pointing to us something that was a cause for the trouble in the world in that day. When the Bible begins, when in Genesis 6 it begins by telling us the sons of God saw the daughters of men that were fair, and they took to themselves wives and married them. And then the next thing it tells us is that then there were giants in those days. All of them were giants. And also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. And then it now starts to tell us that the Lord saw the wickedness on the earth. What the Lord is trying to tell us is that this marrying and giving in marriage was one of the causes, the main root cause of the wickedness that was in the world before the flood. That is what the development of information the Bible is trying to give us is saying that this marrying and giving in marriage of the sons of God with the daughters of men is one of the reasons that brought about the violence, the wickedness that was in the earth before the flood. And you'll ask why, but we'll see it very soon. So, this issue, as you can see in verse 2, Genesis 6, the sons of God saw the daughters of men. What did they see? They didn't see that they were godly. They didn't see that they were humble ladies. They didn't see that they were virtuous women. They saw that they were fair. Their purpose for marriage became carnal, lustful desire that they were fair. They didn't see that they were like Mary, the mother of Jesus, or like Jacob, the mother of Moses. They didn't see that they could train children in the way of the Lord. What they saw is these ladies are catchy. They have figure eight. They are beautiful to behold. They are seductive. Oh, they are well-favored. Look at how voluptuous they are. They've got all the physical attractions that any man could want. And that was all the sons of God saw and went to marry these ladies. They didn't check their background. They didn't check their ancestry, knowing that these are the daughters of Cain. They didn't mind that they were idolaters. They didn't mind that the practices of these ladies were rooted in satanic principles. All they cared about was their carnal desire and that these ladies will help them fulfill their carnal desire. Oh, sons of God today, men in the churches of today are you also seeing the daughters of men that they are fair and going to marry them and not caring about their family heritage not caring about the education of the lady you are going to marry not minding that your children are going to be corrupted by those women daughters of god today are you also seeing the sons of men that they are fair or have you waited for the sons of God and because you must marry, you take anything you like? Now, there's a saying like this where people say, just because I'm hungry, 
doesn't mean I will eat shit. Oh, some people are eating shit today. Because they are hungry for marriage. They take anything that comes their way among the ladies. Even if it is an idolatrous man. They overlook so many things in the life of the man and feel, oh, I must marry. And then they marry someone who will lead them and their children astray. And the marriage becomes a misery. And so it is with men too. This is not about eating shit. This is about taking what will fulfill their carnal desires. These sons of God were lured by the outward beauty of the daughters of men. And even today, Jesus said the same thing will be happening. Have you done that? Are you doing it? Or are you about to do it? The Lord is speaking to you. You better stop where you are. Because you are treading on dangerous ground. What does the Lord teach about this matter? It has been a very serious issue from the beginning. The sons of God, the holy seed, is not to mingle with the ungodly. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, reading from verse 14, we are told, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. You see, here in the New Testament, the Lord is again speaking against this kind of union. And though this passage doesn't just refer to marriage alone, even mere friendship, you shouldn't have friends with the ungodly. But if the Bible is saying you shouldn't even have a partnership with the ungodly, whether in business or in friendship, how much more in marriage, something as uh, lasting, long-lasting as marriage, this has always been an issue. Satan has always known that if, in order to destroy God's people, he would lure them into marriage with the ungodly. And God has always known that his effect and the power of the Holy Spirit on us will effectually be nullified by us uniting in marriage with the ungodly. Abraham knew this. And he was very careful. You see, just like Abraham, we also need to study the effects of marriage with the ungodly. Let me read for you here in book Patriarchs and Prophet, page 173, paragraph 5. Abraham knew, he knew his history. There was no Bible for him, but he knew about the past. We have the Bible written for us with more instructions than Abraham had. But Abraham made the decision when he wanted to find a wife for his son Isaac. And even he, when choosing a wife for himself, did not choose a wife from among the people around him that were ungodly. He ensured that he married someone that was godly. And when his child wanted to marry, that's Isaac. He was very careful to the point that he told his servant Eleazar, find a wife for my son from my own uh, family. And if you don't see anyone from there, do not. He made, the, he made his servant swear, don't find a wife for my son among the Canaanites. In other words, do not give him any wife from the worldly people. 
if you don't find any godly person, effectually what he was saying is let Isaac remain single. That was how serious Abraham was about this matter because he knew, do you know, would you rather remain single than marry an ungodly person? Reading now, Patriarchs and Prophets, page 173, paragraph 5. Abraham had marked the result of intermarriage of those who feared God and those who feared him not. From the days of Cain to his own time, the consequences of his own marriage with Hagar and of the marriage connections of Ishmael and Lot were before him. The lack of faith on the path of Abraham and Sarah had resulted in the birth of Ishmael. The mingling of the righteous seed with the ungodly. The father's influence upon his son was counteracted by that of the mother's idolatrous kindred and by Ishmael's connection with hidden wives. The jealousy of Hagar and of the wives whom she chose for Ishmael surrounded his family with a barrier that Abraham endeavored in vain to overcome. End of quote. Abraham had marked the effect of marriage of the godly with the ungodly. How about you? Young man and young lady who are listening, are you planning such a thing? Have you marked the effect like Abraham did to the point where he knew the effect and said, my son will never marry an ungodly person. Even if there is no godly person in this world again, one thing is sure, he will never marry an ungodly person. You see, we need to come to that kind of decision today where we say to ourselves, I will never marry an ungodly person. And if there is no godly person that wants to marry me, I will remain the way I am, whether male or female. To drop the standard low just because you want to marry is repeating the same thing that the antediluvians did for ladies, for men, and fulfilling the prophecy that Jesus said that in the last days, men will be marrying and giving in marriage. And what does this mean? They were not consulting God. They did not care about the principles of marriage and they did not want to know whether God approved of their choices. That is one thing that it means when it says they were marrying and giving in marriage. So one of the things we see is marriage of the godly with the ungodly. That was one thing that is meant by this marrying and giving in marriage. And what is more important is that this marriage produced children, children who were also idolatrous and who were perhaps even worse than Cain's original lineage. Because they also, the Bible says in the book of Genesis 6 verse 4, that though all of them were giants, but when these daughters of men married the sons of God, it says they bore children unto them. And these same children became mighty men, which were of old, men of renown, famous men. The children were not godly people. They also were ungodly. Jesus tells us through the prophet Moses, the same result will happen. Don't go against God's word. Deuteronomy chapter 7, reading from verse 2, tells us, And when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them, and utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them. Neither shalt thou make marriages with them. Thy daughter thou shalt not give unto his son, nor his daughter shalt thou take unto thy son. Why? God gives his reason in verse 4, Deuteronomy 7 verse 4. For they will turn away thy son from following me, that they may serve other gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you, 
and destroy you suddenly. So the first lesson we learn from here for us today, do not repeat the same mistake. Many are doing it. You are just fulfilling the prophecy of marrying and giving in marriage. Let us stop where we are and not go further in marrying the ungodly. And when we say marrying the ungodly, it doesn't mean marrying hidden people who are worshipping idolaters. They could be in your own local church. They could be of the same denomination with you. The ungodly today represents those who care not about the word of God, who do not follow the principles contained in the word of God. They may be going to church. They may have positions in church. That doesn't make anybody godly. Godliness is about obedience to the word of God. If you want to get married to a lady or a man and you know very well that these people have no regard to the word of God and have no, uh, they don't feel the authority of the word of God upon them and you can see their practices presently, they are not willing to change and they are following things that are not contained in God's word, then you are marrying the ungodly no matter the position they hold in whatever church, if you like, call it the church of God in heaven, it doesn't matter. The practice is what matters. By their fruits, you shall know them. The second thing we're going to look at about marrying and giving in marriage is the way in which they conducted their marriages and their courtship. And please stay tuned. The next thing we will look at is the marriage itself, the things that were happening in their marriages. Reading from Review and Herald, September 25, 1888, it says, The great crime in the marriage of the days of Noah was that the sons of God formed alliances with the daughters of men. Those who professed to acknowledge and revere God associated with those who were corrupt of heart and without discrimination. They married whom they would. You see that? Without discrimination. They don't check character. They just check, oh, does she fit my carnal desire? And that's all. Going on, it says, There are many in this day who have no depth of religious experience, who will do exactly the same thing as were done in the days of Noah. They will enter into marriage without careful and prayerful consideration. Many take upon themselves the sacred vows as thoughtlessly as they would enter into a business transaction. True love is not the motive for the alliance. The thought of marriage seems to have a bewitching power upon the minds of many of the youth. Two persons become acquainted. They are infatuated with each other and their whole attention is absorbed. Reason is blinded and judgment is overthrown. They will not submit to any advice or control but insist of having their own way, regardless of consequences. Like some epidemic or contagion that must run its course is the infatuation that possesses them, and there seems to be no such thing as putting a stop to it. Perhaps there are those around them who realize that should the parties interested be united in marriage, it could only result in lifelong unhappiness. But entreaties and exhortations are given in vain. Perhaps by such a union, the usefulness of one whom God would bless in his service will be crippled and destroyed. But reasoning and persuasion are alike unheeded. All that can be said by men and women of experience proves ineffectual. It is powerless to change the decision to which their desires have led them. They lose interest in the prayer meeting and in everything that pertains to religion. They are wholly infatuated with each other and the duties of life are neglected as if they were matters of little concern. I'll stop here and continue later. Now you see here what is going on even before the marriage as they have become infatuated with each other in their courtship. 
you see that their religious life is going down that the devotional life is going down they are just infatuated with each other spending time with each other going out going here and there in name of oh we love you we love each other we love each other now let me continue the reading and you will see how it applies to many of us today it says night after night these young people burn the midnight oil to talk with each other in reference to subjects of serious and solemn interest oh no rather of frivolous things that are of no importance satan's angels are keeping watch with those who devote a large share of the night to courting could they have their eyes opened they would see an angel making a record of their words and acts the laws of health and modesty are violated it would be more appropriate to let some of the hours of courtship before marriage run through the married life but as a general thing marriage ends all the devotion manifested during the days of courtship these hours of midnight dissipation in this age of depravity frequently leads to the ruin of both parties thus engaged satan exalts and god is dishonored when men and women dishonor themselves the good name of honor is sacrificed under the spell of this infatuation and the marriage of such persons cannot be solemnized under the approval of god end of quote you see here that the word of god is laying its hand on the practices that we we do today the midnight oil refers to the night time and the phone calls that are made or the chats on social media between those who are courting but the main question was asked what are they discussing are they discussing things of sober and solemn interest in their midnight calls and their chats on the social media oh no frivolities that is the way courtship is carried out today when we looked at marriage someone to share i think that was maybe january 8 we looked at the purpose of marriage it was for companionship and also adam needed a help somebody who would be fitted to help him in his work oh today is that what people are looking at no way what kind of discussions are you ha- having in your relationship are you asking the right questions are you scrutinizing and discriminating the character of the person you are about to get married to whether it is in harmony with the word of god whether he is that godly man or that god she is that godly lady is that what you are checking many times that's not the case they're just discussing frivolity making each other to laugh oh he makes me laugh i want to marry him oh she which pleases me well like samson says i want to marry her very shallow reasons for getting married very very shallow reasons that people are given today not things that have depth but just surface shallow reasons and then the the fact that they appeal to each other's carnal desires and they fan the flame and keep on fanning the flame in the night calls and the chats on the social media and their visits when they go to uh, restaurants and all of that and visit the cinemas that is what is going on today in the courtship nothing godly about it and then they go further into it sexual relations breaking the laws of social reform that was how it was in the days of noah and so it is today are you part of those who are fulfilling that well, the lord knows your plight and he wants you to change he wants you to understand that that is not what he wants for you and it is for your own good that you should understand it he understands that there are desires clamoring in us but you should understand too that these desires are not good 
they are to be suppressed we are to consult god that's one thing we saw they were not consulting god they did not care about whether god approved the person that they were choosing to marry and many are doing that today she pleases me well he pleases me well they don't pray they're not asking is this the will of the lord is this the man the lord wants me to marry is this the lady the the lord wants me to marry god wants me to marry they're not asking that they just move on in their carnal desires. They don't want to hear any advice from anyone. Godly people may tell, tell them, I see something in this man that is not good and this person is not fitted for you. But they wouldn't listen. Like an epidemic that must carry its course. Just You can't do anything about it. Just You just have to leave them and they go on. But who is the one doing it? Continuing the reading, it says, This kind of marrying and giving in marriage is one of Satan's special devices. And he succeeds in his plans almost every time. I have the most painful sense of helplessness when parties come to me for counsel upon this subject. I may speak to them the words that God would have me, but they frequently question every point and plead the wisdom of carrying out their own purposes. And eventually, they do so. They seem to have no power to overcome their own wishes and inclinations and will marry at all hazards. They do not consider the matter carefully and prayerfully, leaving themselves in the hands of God to be guided and controlled by His Spirit. The fear of God does not seem to be before their eyes. They think they understand the matter fully without wisdom from God or counsel from man. When it is too late, they find that they have made a mistake and have imperiled their happiness in this life and the salvation of their souls. They would not admit that anyone knew anything about the matter but themselves. When if counsel had been received, they might have saved themselves years of anxiety and sorrow. But advice is only thrown away on those who are determined to have their own way. Passion carries such individuals over every barrier that reason and judgment can interpose. So the second lesson for us today, consult God before getting married. And when carrying out the courtship, let your discussions not be on frivolous, shallow things. Ask the right questions and discuss the right things. Discuss about godly things. Find out the life of your would-be spouse. Know what it has been. And if it doesn't fit to the godly mold, end that relationship. When you carry on in it, then you are fulfilling that prophecy that says they were marrying and giving in marriage. Oh, you see, the person you want to get married to, he is a person of dissipation, partying, clubbing, drinking, smoking, and you say, oh, I'll carry on, I'll change him. Who are you deceiving? The Lord said he would change you, not you would change him. And you see the lady too. You know she has no desire for devotion. You know she doesn't care about religious things. You can see her dressing. You can see her, even the man's dressing too, not just the ladies. You see everything about her and the choices she makes. You know very well this person is not godly and you're deceiving yourself. You know, I will change her. Why are you doing that? There are cases where people actually change. But the best that can do is to deceive others. Because when there is that ungodly person who changes, it's only going to embolden others to go and do the same thinking that they also will carry their own out and their ungodly spouse will change. But 99% of the time, that is not the case. The Bible condemns this kind of courtship and marriage. Therefore, we should learn from it and not set a wrong example before people. Finally, marrying and giving in marriage is also talking about what happens in the life of the married people. 
For those who are married, you will agree with me that today, today, a lot of things that are done in the marriage bed, one would question and ask themselves, are these things okay? Many married people do things that they think the word of God approves, but the Bible condemns them. There is something called inordinate love in the Bible. In the book of Colossians chapter 3 verse 5, the Bible tells us, Mortify therefore your members, that is, control the parts of your body, which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence and covetousness, which is idolatry. What does inordinate affection mean? The word inordinate means irregular, excessive, out of the normal way of doing things. Sexual relations today have taken another turn and pornography has helped in educating people on inordinate love. There is a right way to go about sexual relations and there is a wrong way. In the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13, reading verse 4, it says, Marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. What does it mean to be a whoremonger to start with? A whoremonger is someone who sleeps with whores. Today, many of us who do that sleeping with whores through pornography, one woman after another, plenty tabs open of different pornographic videos, one whore after another, whoremongering in pornography. Many counsels are given to married people today telling them that it is not wrong to watch pornography. I mean, what do you... What? I don't know how pastors think today, not all of them anyway. But in counseling, married people are told they can watch pornography and whatever they see in the pornography that they should practice it. Anal sex, all kinds of positions and all kinds of excessive behavior, animal kind of behavior, beast-like things that are done in these pornographic videos and in the marriage bed. Education from the people of the world. Those people who you are watching in the pornography, are those not the children of Cain? Are they the children of God? Certainly they are not the children of God. Those are the verily the children of Cain and you are learning the practices from the children of Cain. Those ungodly people, they are teaching you what it means to marry and give in marriage and many of the godly today are following them. They are seeing the daughters of men that are fair in pornography and they are marrying them in the sense of watching pornography and what they practice there, they want to practice it on their husband and on their wives. But does the Lord condemn it? Yes, inordinate affection refers to the irregular out of order practices that are done in marriage i would read now from councils for the church page 134 paragraph 2 many parents do not obtain the knowledge they sh that they should in the married life they are not guarded lest satan take advantage of them and control their minds and lives they do not see that god requires them to control their married lives from any excesses but very few feel it to be a religious duty to govern their passions. They have united themselves in marriage to the object of their choice and therefore reason that marriage sanctifies the indulgence of baser passions. Even when men and women professing godliness give loose rein to their lustful passions and have no thought that God holds them accountable for the expenditure of vital energy which weakens their hold on life and enervates their entire system. I'm reading now Councils for the Church, page 133. It says, In Noah's day, it was the inordinate, excessive love of that which is in itself lawful 
when properly used that made marriage sinful before God. So what is it that made marriage sinful? Excessive use of that which was lawful. Inordinate use of that which was lawful. There are many who are losing their souls in this age of the world by becoming absorbed in the thoughts of marriage and in the marriage relation itself. The marriage relation is holy, but in this degenerate age, it covers vileness of every description. It is abused and has become a crime. Hmm. Marriage has become a crime, which now constitutes one of the signs of the last days. Even as marriages managed as they were previous to the flood were then a crime. When the sacred nature and the claims of marriage are understood, it will even now be approved of heaven and the result will be happiness to both parties and God will be glorified. It is not pure love which actuates a man to make his wife an instrument to minister to his lust. It is the animal passions which clamor for indulgence. How few men show their love in the manner specified by the apostle. How? Ephesians chapter 5 tells us, Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might not pollute it, but sanctify and cleanse it that it should be holy and without blemish. This is the quality of love in the marriage relation which God recognizes as holy. Love is a pure and holy principle, but lustful passion will not admit of restraint and will not be dictated to or controlled by reason. It is blind to consequences. It will not reason from cause to effect. Satan seeks to lower the standard of purity and to weaken the self-control of those who enter the marriage relation because he knows that while the baser passions are in the ascendancy, the moral powers grow steadily weaker and he need have no concern as to their spiritual growth. He knows too that in no way can he better stamp his own hateful image upon their offspring and that he can thus mold their character even more readily than he can the character of the parents. Do you understand what you just heard? Satan knows that if parents continue in this inordinate love, let me specify very clearly so that we get what I'm saying here. Inordinate love refers to those practices in marriage that are out of order. For example, God made man and woman and then in the sexual relations, there is the way to go about it. First of all, there is a place of entry in the woman, which is the sexual organ. And there is a place of exit. The anus is a place of exit. It is not a place of entry. Today, people are engaging in what is called anal sex. The anus is not a place to be used for sexual relations. Even animals don't do that. Human beings have so degraded themselves to be beneath even the brute beasts. No animal will do that. No, hum- no creation of God will go that to that length. But humanity has so degraded themselves to do these things. And even people professing to be godly think that because we are married, anything we do is sanctified. No, no, no. You are mistaken. It is not everything you do in the marriage bed that is sanctified. You go into inner sex, oh, you are sinning. You are committing a crime before God. It is this practice that God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah for. And this was what the antediluvians were doing in their marrying and giving in marriage. That is one. But not only that, even excessive sex, too frequent sex, is still not right. And then, even if it is not frequent, how do you even do it? 
when there is that roughness, that behavior as if one is a goat or an animal during the sexual relation that is still part of the inordinate excessive love where you don't even care for the sensitive organ of your uh, your sexual organs people get injured are you supposed to be getting injured in sexual relations it's not supposed to be so the man is to be considerate of the wife and the wife is also to be considerate sex is not supposed to be injuring anybody and when it is doing that then you can see that there's some being inconsiderate here and even when in the relation you can tell very clearly the man can tell or the woman can tell this thing is not going down well but they continue in doing it just to get their lustful desires satisfied is that love is that love when you know that what you are doing to your wife is harming her and yet you continue to do it and you call that love i tell you that even animals will not do that we are degrading ourselves to the level of the brute beasts behaving with that goatishness and it is only being possessed by the devils that can make one to do that i'll read that for you it says here in councils for the church page 135 going on it says the more the animal passions are indulged the stronger do they become and the more violent will be their clamors for indulgence Page 135 says, Husbands should be careful, attentive, constant, faithful and compassionate. They should manifest love and sympathy. If they fulfill the words of Christ, their love will not be of a base, earthly, sensual character that will lead to the destruction of their own bodies and bring upon their wives debility and disease. They will not indulge in the gratification of base passions while ringing in the ears of their wives that they must be subject to the husband in everything. When the husband has a nobility of character, purity of heart, elevation of mind that every true Christian must possess, it will be he will not be a destroyer of the body but will be full of tender love seeking to reach the highest standard in Christ and the same goes to the wife. You will not be a destroyer of your husband's body. The Bible says, husband, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Love her as you love your own body and the same with the wife because today even the wives too are requiring from their husbands excessive kind of practices in marriage that will turn one to an animal. Going on it says no man can truly love his wife when she patiently submits to him to become his slave and minister to his depraved passions. In her passive submission she loses the value she once possessed in his eyes. He sees her dragged down from everything elevating to a low level and soon he suspects that she will as tamely submit to be degraded by another as by himself. He doubts her constancy and purity, gets tired of her and seeks new objects to arouse and intensify his hellish passions. The law of God is not regarded. These men are worse than brutes. They are demons in human form. They are acquainted with the elevating and nobling principles of true sanctified love." End of quote. Now, I would like to say that even myself, once upon a time, because of the exposure to pornography and all these things, a child would think, oh, maybe this is the way things are done. So wives, husbands, do you have a wife, do you have a husband who goes into these excessive practices in marriage? Don't hate your husband or your wife. Patiently try to educate them. Wrong education has entered into the marriages of today. Because the church is not doing its job to educate people on what true sexual relations should look like 
and they are even recommending pornography for many of their members. That is why there is a, a lot of ignorance in this matter. So if you are learning this, it shouldn't arouse in you hatred for your husband or for your wife because you know that you also were once uh, in, the, in the ignorance of these things. Patiently pray and try to educate your spouse so that you come out of this crime that reduces us into brute, more, lower than brute beasts, like he says, demons in human form. This is what Jesus meant when he said they will be marrying and giving in marriage. They will be so absorbed in the marriage relation in, and engaging in practices that are crimes in the marriage relation. I remember many times we talk about this and some people wonder, how can someone sin in marriage? Oh yes, you can. Yes, you can. When you go against the normal order things are in the way things are done. In the book of Romans chapter 1, the Bible tells us clearly that men can live the natural way of using the woman and do things which are against nature. It's against nature to engage in what I have said earlier that is called anal sex. That is against nature. It is against nature to go into those violent behaviors in sexual relations. All those things are against nature. When we look at it in the book of Romans 1, Reading from verse 26, it says, For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, inordinate affections. For even their women did change their the natural use into that which is against nature, and likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, walking that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of error which was meet. So here we see God also pointing out the same thing I have been saying. There is a natural way to do things in marriage and there is an unnatural way to do things. And I pray that the Lord will touch our hearts to understand these things. Finally, one other thing that is referred to when we talk about marrying and giving in marriage is the way the marriage, the marriage uh, ceremonies are conducted. It's conducted with such hilarity, such glee and so much worldliness in it playing of the worldly music and all of that you see this is a sign of the last days this is the marrying and giving in marriage that the lord was referring to and you see the way it is done today so much change of dress and change of dress for this reception change of dress for that i want change of dress for the other and so much ceremonies are done over the entry and so much dancing and bridal train and all that and hilarity mcs uh, all these things is not the way God wanted marriage to be done. Marriage is a holy ceremony. It's not an ungodly ceremony. Today, even the Christians, especially Christians, have turned marriage into a place of dissipation and ungodliness. That is what marriages have turned to today. It is not supposed to be so. Marriage is holy. And the ceremony for marriage is also, also to be holy. I could say more. But I pray that the Lord is speaking to our hearts to make us understand basically what He is trying to say to us. Many Bible passages have been read so far and we have read from the spirit of prophecy also and I pray that the Lord is speaking to us. God is not speaking to you to hate yourself or to hate someone else. People are ignorant and we must understand that. Therefore, do you know someone who doesn't know these things? It is not for you to despise people but to patiently lovingly in meekness educate but then we have decisions to make do you find yourself in any way 
practicing any of these things that has been said so far whether it is in marrying the ungodly or wrong practices in marriage or courtship uh, or even planning to do a wedding where you know you're not going to do holy things the lord talks to us today and is willing to help you to make a change allow the lord to come into your life and help you make that change break that engagement end that relationship speak to your wife speak to your husband and tell them about the what you have learned and why there should be a change in your practice make more research on these things too you see don't go to the internet go to your the word of god the internet will tell you masturbation is not a sin they will tell you that the woman can swallow semen and that it is healthy for her and many women are doing that today that's what they will tell you you better don't go to the ungodly world to educate you on things like this you even know in your own conscience the first time you saw these things didn't they look gruesome to you did your conscience not even revolt at it don't let the world educate you on these things let the word of god touch your heart and educate you may the lord help us is my prayer amen let us pray loving father in heaven we have heard things today that perhaps are startling perhaps confusing perhaps troubling Lord, please touch the hearts of your children who are listening and help us, Lord, by your grace. Wherever we need to make changes, help us, Lord, not to be rebellious and help us, Lord, to make the changes in our lives for our own good. I pray, Father, that you help us in Jesus' name. Amen.